a lonely frog. Yes, I did say a lonely frog. A lonely frog telephoned the psychic hotline and asked what his future might hold. His personal psychic advisor told him, you are going to meet a beautiful young girl and she is going to want to know everything about you. The frog was thrilled. Will I meet her at a party? No, the psychic advisor replied. You will meet her in biology class. <laughs> if you've never been in biology classes, then you're going, what, 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 what? Well, relationships, there are places, um, there are good relationships, there are bad relationships, there are places um, good places where you can get relationships, and there are bad places where you can get relationships. I'm guessing that you and I would say that the best relationship we could possibly have is the relationship we have with Jesus. Though we might have a great relationship with Jesus, even a relationship with Jesus is not supposed to be just merely a one-on-one -on -one and a solo thing. For example, when Jesus was walking this planet, he had 12 close friends. And of those 12 close friends, he had three that were even closer, and that is Peter, James, and John. As Jesus' time on earth was drawing to a close, he said this to those men that were close to him, John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Penny, do we have that? It's up there. Okay, that's not back there. Never mind. I will just... <laughs> Y'all can look at the thing in the back and it doesn't say what's up here. So, okay. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. These 12 guys that Jesus recruited, of course they got along, did they not? Well, let me give you just two examples. One guy collected taxes for the Roman government. Another of the 12, as best we can determine, hated the Roman government and would have done anything within his power to overthrow that Roman government. And yet Jesus expected those men who were from diverse backgrounds to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you've attended church for any length of time, you can't help but notice that people come and people go. One of the things about people staying has to do with friendships that they have. 
Some of us in this room require a lot of friends. Others of us in this room require maybe one or two. Whichever one of these types you are, I would guess that the following is true for you. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. is filmed before a live studio audience. Now, whether your choice of establishment is a bar or a church or a sports venue or a back porch, I don't know of anybody who doesn't want to be liked and appreciated. I don't know of anybody who doesn't want other people to know their name. To you. Last Sunday, we were in Mark chapter 2, and strangely enough, we are going to be there today. And we spoke of four friends who took their paralyzed friend and took him to Jesus so that Jesus would heal him. But as we look at this scripture in Mark chapter 2, we are going to take a little different slant on it than we did last week. So if you are those who like to turn in your Bible, we are going to be in Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he, Jesus, preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So let's try to imagine what it would have been like to be that paralyzed man in that first century A.D. when he had this infirmity. Uh, He was confined pretty much to a three-by-six mat, If he changed his clothes, who was going to do that for him? Uh, How about eating? Uh, Could he feed himself? Could he get the food? If he soiled himself, who was going to help him get out of that situation? He definitely had to be carried from place to place. What if he had bed sores? Did he have to be moved from time to time? Did people even know or care about that kind of thing in those days? Nothing could be done medically for him, no surgeries. No rehab centers, no treatment facilities. 
But he has one thing going for him. He has amazing friends. Truth be told, this man is in one of the killer life groups of all time. One of the most counter-cultural statements in Scripture is a description of the early church. It's in Acts 2, verse 46, the first part. And it reads this way, Every day they, the early Christians, continued to meet together. It's no wonder they were so close. Doing what they did, following Jesus, the church has just begun. Every day they were together. And so we might, at some time or another, when we read that scripture, we might wish that we had that same type of community among ourselves today. So what would it be like, let's say you and I try to create first century community with our 21st century schedule. How is that going to work? How often do we hear or maybe say, we, we need to get together more often? Or, hey, let's do lunch. See if you agree with this statement. The requirement for true intimacy is chunks of unhurried time. Do wise people try to microwave, microwave relationships? Do wise people try to microwave parenting? Do wise people try to microwave marriage? You can't do life in a hurry. You can't do community in a hurry. You can't listen in a hurry. You can't mourn with those who mourn in a hurry. You can't rejoice with those who rejoice in a hurry. And you can't carry someone's mat in a hurry. And everyone comes with a mat. Let's say this mat represents for us our humanity. It represents our weaknesses and our frailties. It represents our messes and our disasters. Maybe your mat is a temper you can't seem to control. Maybe your mat is an addiction. Wait, I'm not addicted. Maybe your mat is a just a little bit too strong something or other that has power over you that it really shouldn't. Maybe your mat is fear. Or maybe your mat is an inability to trust or a need to be in control. Maybe your mat is an inability to speak the language of the heart. Maybe your mat is a terrible secret of something you did perhaps a long time ago 
but the guilt of what you did is with you every day. Maybe your mat is something that was done to you and you are still plagued by that years later. What is your mat? What is your mat? Now the reality is that sometimes people spend their entire lives doing very well at mat management. They do so well at mat management that they hide their mat. They, whenever they come across to people, come across as strong, incompetent, and nobody ever sees their mat. As long as you hide your mat, you will not be able to live in community. Not possible. Who carries your mat for you sometimes? Who do you ask to pray for you? To whom do you show your weaknesses and your struggles? Who do you let see your brokenness and your disasters? Let's go rejoin Jesus. He is back in Capernaum, and these four men learn that he is there. They want to go hear him and see him, and they want to take along their friend who is paralyzed and is unable to move. Mark 2, 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. They were desperate to get to Jesus. They had decided that they would not let anything stand between them and getting their friend to Jesus. Their love for their friend and the fact that they were in such a killer life group made all of this possible. Let me share with you three things, and these are the blanks about authentic community. Authentic community that can grow and flourish in a life group. It can happen. Are these three things a natural outgrowth of what takes place in a life group? They are not. They are a supernatural outgrowth. When Jesus is in a group of people, and when the people with Jesus there pay attention to how the Spirit leads, then these three things are true. Three things about authentic community. Number one, authentic community requires trust. So let's imagine that you're the man on the mat. You are about to go through the roof. You wonder if you can trust your friends to keep you safe. You wonder if those people down below, if they can be trusted to be civil. You wonder, actually, if you can trust Jesus. If you're to go through the roof, then whenever you get there, you could be dropped, you could be ridiculed, you could get rejected. But if you don't go through the roof, you ain't getting healed. 
And that's for sure. This is your one shot at walking. And so you give your final head nod to your friends, become a roof crasher, and they begin lowering you down. You happen to be lowered down right in front of Jesus. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Authentic community requires trust. And secondly, authentic community involves spiritual growth. With the paralyzed man in front of Jesus on the floor, Jesus looks up and sees the four faces of his friends peering at him through this really quite large hole in the ceiling of Peter's house. And the text records that when Jesus saw their face. What did he see? He saw the, the faces of the four men. He saw that they were eager, anxious. They were sweaty. They were dusty. They were dirty. They were hopeful that Jesus was going to be able to heal their friend. And so at this point, Jesus looks at the man and says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. Whenever these guys were carrying this man, it never crossed his mind that his sins were going to be a topic of conversation. Hadn't really signed up to have his sins talked about. But one of the things that happens when we get knee-deep in community, when we get knee-deep in community and Jesus is in the middle of it, our mat and our imperfections come up. Sorry, not sorry. Being in community has a way of bringing out those imperfections and the messes in our lives and the disasters in our lives. Jesus tells the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed, of course, everyone, and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Authentic community involves spiritual growth and authentic community brings healing. The man stands up, he picks up his mat. Now, did he fold it? Did he roll it up? Did he wad it up? Or did he throw it over his shoulder? 
or did he just drag it out of the room with him? He did one of those things, something like that happened. So at this time, these men up on, this, on the roof, they're looking down here and they're going, whoa, ah, there's this shouting match going, ah, there they are. And so are, are they gonna go ahead and get off the ladder and go down and see their friend? Or is he gonna run out of the room when he gets out of the room? Is he gonna go on and get up the ladder before they get up there? And whatever happens, there's gonna be this hug fest going on because of these five friends that have gotten together and Jesus has done something for them. Fast forward, years down the road. When these four friends look at their friends, Matt, what are they going to remember? Years down the road, and in that day, people kind of stayed together, didn't move across the country, they're just, they're kind of there. And I think they were friends, they're in our lives. Years down the road, when this man looks at his old Matt, what is he going to remember? What they all are going to remember is what Jesus did for them together. I don't know if something as drastic as being healed is going to take place in your life group when you get involved in one. And life groups are not the only place for community to be. But I believe life groups are a great place. If you don't have those friends, if you don't have that camaraderie, if you don't have that community, I would encourage you to get involved in a life group because a life group can be a significant place where the love and grace that these men experienced, where the community they experienced, and the friendship they experienced can be yours. A life-changing difference can take place with you in a life group. Early on, Stephen told us how to sign up for life groups. Again, if that doesn't work for you, call the office. If you have never experienced Jesus initially, if you have never begun your journey in following him, if you do not have, because you've not become a Christian, God's spirit living inside of you, if you want that for yourself today, you can have that. If you have questions about what might be my next step in coming closer to Jesus, if you want someone to pray with you or for you, when you leave this room this morning, as you go there, turn right, and at the Welcome Center, there will be trained decision guides who will meet you there, and you and they, with whatever question or issue you have, go down the hallway and speak privately. If you are watching us online, and if you contact us with the information that you see with the email address and the phone number, then we will get in touch with you no later than tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for coming and for showing us and for telling us 
that we need to be, we have to be involved with one another, with Christian brothers and sisters. You don't want us to go through life alone. And God, I pray for those that are not involved in a life group or don't have friends that, that meet their needs. I pray, even though they might be super timid, that they would, as best they can, reach out. Or you give us insight into those people and you would let us know who they are and that we reach out. Father, help us to be sensitive to the needs of others. Help us to be willing to do our part in building community, in letting people see our mat, not managing our mat, but letting you manage our lives and our being open and vulnerable and human and forgiven. May we love one another. May the love that we have for one another, as your word says, show other people about you and that others will come to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.